Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the third instalment of No Small Questions, where you, the listener, get to pose your burning questions to the No Small Roles cast. I'm Superfan Sam, your Question Master, and joining me tonight, we have the voice behind our flower-checking sorceress and total sweetheart Juna, the hilarious Vicky Gaskin. We also have the Dungeon Master himself, world builder and storyteller, crafter of dreams and nightmares, Mr. David Knight, and... We have the first guest star of the saga so far. You'll remember her from episodes 16 to 18 as the wannabe warrior Deacon Fireheart Button. A big welcome to the wonderful Sarah Gain. Let's have a little bit of applause there. Woo! They're all wonderful. Applause, applause, applause. Hi, everyone. <laughs> also, Hi. Uh, Hi. let's have a massive shout out uh, to our live audience members. We are thrilled to have some of our No Small Roles Patreon subscribers in the Zoom with us. Uh, by joining us tonight, our patrons get to enjoy our company and, more excitingly perhaps, they get to ask their own questions directly to the cast. Now before we get started, I should mention that we're going to be starting with more general questions, but after those, it's likely there will be spoilers up to episode 22. So if you haven't caught up with the story, are you nuts? Go back and listen to it, it's pure gold, and we'll wait here for you until you're ready. All good? You caught up? Let's jump in then. How are you, everyone? Yeah, hey, thank you. Good. good. Excited some... to be talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> Has it been some time? Yeah. Lockdown three. Gives you plenty of time for editing and coming up with new material, though, I'm guessing. Literally all I've been doing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, should we kick it off? Let's get some questions going. Uh, this first one uh, is a... Really important one. Uh, it's from Facebook, and this is Michael Cook, who asks, Why is baby David called baby David? So I'm guessing this is a <laughs> question for you, David. That's brilliant. <laughs> I'm not even going to answer that, because whilst I have been gifted the name baby David, I did not choose it. So uh, I blame I did. Vicky. Vicky, it's entirely her fault. Uh, it's because yeah. he's a bear bear. We did a show, I want to say 2012. Was it 2013? 2013, maybe, yeah. 2013, we did a show of Dracula and 
Like he just he just missed so many like pop culture references <laughs> as a result of being like substantially younger. Like was it you who like hadn't heard of Funhouse? Yeah, and I've still not seen or really heard of Funhouse. <laughs> I have a vague just Sarah shaking her head. I've got a vague understanding it is like a CBBC program from the nineties. Yes, I think CBBC didn't even really exist back then. Not like that. Oh, really? Okay. It was very like broom, broom cupboard, broom closet. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So like oh. he missed all of these like pop culture references, and <laughs> like we were. Like, I mean, you're not that much younger than me. I mean, like, I'm enough, and like I think five, at the time, like, years. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody else was like edging towards their like late 20s early 30s and i was still very much early 20s yeah uh so there was a lot of a lot of stuff that yeah. i just did not understand what you were talking about and, and then in the royal family denise and david have the the baby david uh, of course yeah and so they call him the baby david and so it kind of stuck there was a couple of drunk evenings where we sang songs and replaced the lyrics with Baby David, like Tiny Baby David dancer, <laughs> oh, yeah. that kind of stuff. And it's it's really hard to not do it. And and I I deal with I deal with you now on like quite a lot of professional levels. And it's really hard to be like, I have to have to make sure I don't call him Baby David. Well, and it's, it's not really just you hard though, is it? It's it's spread to everyone now. Because at what point did it start like catching fire and just spreading to the well, rest of like, I have introduced you know. Baby David to everyone else in no small roles as Baby David. That's yep. how he's been introduced to everyone. Funnily enough, the first time I met David, I was introduced to him. And I don't think you were there for that, but I was introduced no. to him as Baby David. So it's just kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of been a thing with me as well. <laughs> so that's the thing, like it has spread so that not even just Vicky introducing me as Baby David, other people who have been introduced to me as Baby David now introduce me to other people as Baby David. I'm yeah. stuck as Baby David. That's... And I can't take full responsibility. It was me, Nikki and Ellie who came up with it together, yeah. who I know will be listening. And I know at least one of them has a question that they want asked. So I know they will be listening. So I have to credit them as well. But that's where it comes from. Yeah. I mean, it's a very, very ominous DM name. Uh, and I wonder if that's <laughs> that what, what makes you so cruel sometimes with your choices, the things that you do to your players. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> you treat me like a baby I'm going to have a tantrum <laughs> <laughs> TPK <laughs> amazing we finally have an answer to that question uh, moving mm. on <laughs> the next question that we got is from Instagram and this is at Bethan K Jones uh, 91 who asks I've recently been listening to the podcast uh, so I'm not fully caught up yet hey new listener uh, but what do you Yay! all enjoy most about playing D&D uh, so who wants to take this one first? Um, I'm looking at you, Vicky. Okay. I was going to take a back seat because I feel like I've done a lot of talking already. The best thing about D&D at the moment is, like, in lockdown, everything is weird. There's so many things we can't do. We can't work properly. Like, I like being outside. I like being with a lot of people. So most of the things I enjoy doing, I can't do. But there's something really great about playing D&D in, like, in general, but also about coming together as no small roles. And you can just, you know, we're playing a game not dissimilarly to if we were around a table doing it, we're just on Zoom. And you can just forget about COVID, forget about anything that sucks, forget about, you know, 
something that you're worried about and just get lost in a completely different world for a couple of hours. And like, it's kind of, it's kept me going through the lockdown trilogy <laughs> personally. So yeah, I think that. Oh, that's wonderful. And uh, how about, um, let's go along the line. Let's, uh, sorry, I've, I've had a complete mind blank. I've already asked a question. Sorry. Uh, who's next? Sarah, we haven't heard from you yet. <laughs> Oh God! Too much drink already. Uh, <laughs> Never yeah, too Sarah, much. How about you? Uh, what do you enjoy most about playing D anD D? What's the reason you kind of come back to it? Um, I think yeah, definitely partly on what Vicky says. I think that there's that kind of nice community thing. But I, I think uh, sort of there's there's two reasons. One, you kind of get with this group of people, and you you feel very much an ensemble in whatever is happening around you, and you get to enjoy this amazing story. But then you can also kind of prod bits and change that story. And just having that, just that complete change of roles is just always really good fun because you become immersed in a world. And like you say, you can forget about everything. Plus, I just really like kicking butt. So, <laughs> Is that not true in real life as well then? Well, you know, you just get told off more about it in real life. <laughs> Sarah takes no prisoners in real life. I have that authority. <laughs> I was going to say, if Sarah had a mace and it was allowed, she would be like full fire heart. Yeah. How about you, David? Yeah. I like to make up stories, but I'm also quite a lazy writer. Like there's this thing of like, if you have to sit down and write, like it suddenly becomes work rather than just like telling the stories. Whereas D&D is like that nice little shortcut uh, that like you can come up with something and then have it realized like and what's also brilliant is I tend to play with a lot of actors, so the performance mm. of the characters in the story are suddenly that much more entertaining anyway. Um so yeah, that's for me, it's just like I get to experience a story that like I've written the outline for and there it is fully formed and like uh, yeah, it's as entertaining to to play. And the other thing is that I don't have con- complete control. Um like obviously if you're sitting and, and writing, you're working very like insular um whereas with with D, suddenly the story is everybody's um and like i can throw things at them but then they throw things right back and you've just gotta go okay well i guess i guess this scene is happening over here then yeah adapt with it because you are a player as well though do you get similar things from being a player or is it like is it a different experience do you enjoy something else when you when you play compared to when you dm oh ah i don't know um, when I've played as a player, I do think I'm I'm a lot more lost. <laughs> as in, like, uh, like as DM, like you know, you've got like the story planned out. You're like laying the tracks as you go along. Uh, but as a player, I am just so completely lost that I don't know if I'm a good player or not. <laughs> it's a very different experience. I know that sounds weird, but like that. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I always. I. I, th- I feel like I second guess my choices a lot more, um, for f- to see what everybody else is doing, just because I'm used to to letting the the other players run wild in front of me. I suppose. I mean, I I've seen you kick butt as characters, though. So I I think maybe I mean, taking a backseat in the decision making, but you are definitely at the front. Oh, when it comes to combat, it's my turn. I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm not going to go away with it. But just thought I should clarify. <laughs> <laughs> 
Amazing. Uh, let's go on to another question, which is again from uh, Michael Cook on Facebook. He has asked a few questions, so I think he's coming for my super fan spot. Uh, <laughs> not that I'm against that because we love more questions and thank you, Michael Cook, for supplying these. Uh, his next question is, do you listen to the podcast when it airs? Uh, so I think, Sarah, I'm guessing you probably do listen to the podcast when it airs, uh, except maybe those three episodes. Did you listen to those? <laughs> Uh, no, I haven't listened to them, actually. <laughs> Shocker. Do you know, all I've heard, and in a way, I kind of know why I haven't, because I heard the clip that went over um, Instagram, which is the description of the compass where Deacon was trying to describe it. Um, and it, it was kind of weird and funny listening to it back. I'm an actor. I'm used to seeing myself back on things. Like, uh, that's fine. But somehow it was like, oh, I... It is fun to hear and I loved being in the middle of those stories, but part of me didn't want to hear myself back again because I was like, I kind of liked inhabiting that little mm. Deacon world in a way. So I know that sounds really weird, but yeah, so that's kind of why I think I didn't. Mm, also, no, uh, I'm really bad at listening to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so I realise it's a really bad thing to say on the podcast. <laughs> that's it. I'm booted right now, everybody. <laughs> I know. I'm the worst. It's been a pleasure so having you, Sarah. <laughs> but no, I do, I do get that sentiment because I think we all have a little bit of that, particularly, you know, us who are actors, you know, we have that sense of when something is filmed or when something is recorded, there is like the cringy element of, well, I don't remember it being like that or I was in the moment mm. that I didn't notice those little things and you're more likely to pick them up than anybody else. So yeah, mm. I, I personally hate watching myself back, but your episodes yeah. were brilliant. So I think it's also that thing. Yeah, yes. I think it's that thing as well of just kind of. Um, I didn't see what I was doing as a performance. I saw it as as part of the game, as part of the fun, and and then suddenly listening to it back to it makes it into a performance for me to listen to that. That sounds weird, but yeah. yeah. So I don't. I don't want to see it that way. I still want to see it as my game. Oh, amazing! I get that. Hmm. I'll listen to them yeah. for you, Sarah. Um, <laughs> I'm more than happy to do that again. <laughs> Because uh, like I said, they're amazing. Uh, and I'm not going to do any spoilers now. Uh, instead, we're going to ask the same question of Vicky. I do listen to them. Half because I like I love listening to David's music. Like it's like, because obviously I was there when it was recorded. It's just really nice to like hear it with the soundtrack on. Um, but also I'm like, when you're playing, I think like the the classic moment was... The like the phylactery, mm. <laughs> like not not like everyone else was like the table, the table, and like none of us were working it out. And I think that moment, I was like, oh, it's really important that I listen to it back, just in case you know we've missed something major. And then, in fact, there is something that we have missed that that is going to be rectified. Has that Ooh, happened yet? Wow, interesting. Uh, what? I mean, I don't want to know if it's happened yet or not. Oh, oh it's uh, like a really, it's like an innocuous thing. No, 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 so no, cool, it though. doesn't really matter. It was just a continuity flaw. And from listening back, we were able to go, oh, yeah, that. <laughs> well, because I've noticed like Ben says this like at some points in the episode uh, that there's, he's like, oh, um, I, I don't actually have my notes, but I normally, because I'm editing it, I go back and I listen to it anyway. Um, the, the, there is kind of an advantage in a way like a lot of plays in another campaign the DM will notice if they haven't taken their notes that's their problem 
that's their fault, you know, and, and something can happen. There might be a little hint to something. If they miss that, game over. Uh, but with you guys, at least, you can just be like, I know that that was mentioned in episode 15, so I'm just going to go back and listen to that episode again. Yeah. And then come back in as like, yeah. ah, well, actually, my character remembers everything. <laughs> yeah. uh, Grace has just DM'd me to tell me that it's okay to mention it. it I mean, it's tiny things. So Deacon basically gave a pearl necklace to Juna to mm. give to Gwen and it was Grace, actually, who was listening back to it. She was editing it. And I just got this WhatsApp saying, where's my pearl necklace, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> and like, Tuna has so much crap hanging off her. Um, I'd sort of forgotten about it. And um, and then I, I was listening to it back and was like, oh, between receiving the pearl necklace and then rectifying it in game as a result of Grace reminding me, Orin went off and bought a pearl. <laughs> and yep. I'm just like, oh yeah, <laughs> with like a pearl necklace on. So it's, I think it's really useful, particularly like when you're like, if we're like, you know, rolling initiative, you know, you're going, oh God, how many spell slots have I got? And what am I going to do? And I've only really got ranged things and you can just, you don't have to worry about any of that. You can just listen to everyone else's wonderful stuff. Mm. Man, is truly wonderful. And uh, let's ask the crafter of it now as well. The crafter of wonderful things. <laughs> I I am in a funny position because uh, I don't listen to it back when it's released. Uh, but that's because I get the... Um, so we record it. It gets sent off to the editing team, which is uh, Grace, Ben, Chris, Daryl's learning as well. Um, they edit it together and then they send me the final edit and I put music to that. So... I essentially am listening to bits of it over and over and over and over and over again <laughs> to like get the music timed right. So by the time the music is done, I feel like I've listened to each episode like 400 times. So I, <laughs> I tend not to listen to it once it's fully released. That makes sense. I mean, for, <laughs> I suppose for everybody else, the, the bonus to listening to it after you've Afterwards, it is that the is music that is in there. Exactly, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's kind of no, no real surprise for you. <laughs> no, no, that's right. Like, yeah, like I, I, the only thing that I don't hear uh, quite often is uh, our Grace's announcements in the middle of the, in the middle of the uh, recording. Um, because, oh, exactly. Like, you should those listen been... to them, David. They're really good. I should, I really should. Um, <laughs> those those are like added in after the music. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's the only thing I miss. And sometimes Grace is like, uh, I did say it in the hay. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you for, cool, all right. Should probably keep a track of, of that announcements and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got to say, like, considering I do the recaps, it's, it's again, it's the similar thing, like listening to the episode, like over and over, particularly mm. certain segments, if I wanted to, uh, like, include that soundbite. But I, I've, I've still binged it again. <laughs> and not felt like oh this is dull because i know everything that's happening here um yeah, yeah that's I'm... why you're super fan sam well i think super fan hannah is is similar to me and she's way more on it than i am you should have heard us in in our, our super fan chats last time all of the things that she predicted came true uh but we'll i we'll want more to... <laughs> super fan chats yeah. oh, I, I promise you there's one on the way we're gonna organize so good. there's a mostly, lot to talk about they were, they were they were brilliant mostly because then i could use your ideas you know what Truth i never thought of it that way. worst case scenarios and i'm like oh yeah that's great okay <laughs> so basically in the next one if i'm like hannah i'm pretty sure he's going to be bringing out an ancient gold dragon into this next fight uh, that that's going to be uh, happening. Uh, they have to deal with that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I think that's absolutely fine. Throw a, throw a dragon at them. They're, um, what, level four? Level. I was going to say, maybe not a moment? gold dragon. They're normally quite good. A green one or something like that. Nah, let's make it a gold. Okay. Let's make them the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Bring it back, but give us Deacon again. <laughs> sure. Deacon riding Deacon. Uh, ancient gold dragon. Super Perfect. Gold. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Love he'd it. be all over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> okay let's have another question uh this is a question from instagram uh at iron paradigm who asks uh this is a random and open-ended question but i hope you can help me what is your advice for someone looking to dm for the first time what are some of the common pitfalls thank you uh i'm assuming that one is for david uh as our resident dm general dming advice um first time i mean i was very lucky vicky was in my in the first game that i ever dm'd and i was running the you were um, very lucky <laughs> very lucky <laughs> <laughs> um and we ran uh the lost minds of fandelva so i had like the the book and i'd, I'd read it cover to cover which wasn't essential because i think we got through basically the the first goblin bit um, it took us so long took us so long characters. yeah um but general advice is is that i would say like don't put too much pressure on yourself like rely on your players they're part of the part of the table part of the game obviously like if you've got specific things that you want to happen and you want to help like plan out your adventure beforehand great but do leave some things open and then just see what happens like see see what the players come out with and just like go with it um it's like classic improv uh rule like yes and um obviously if they're about to suggest something that is absolutely crazy uh maybe give them like a a brief out before saying yes and um but (laughs) otherwise just be like yep and and to be honest if you can't decide let them roll a dice like let let that be the way to to like guide the story um i was listening to dragon talk another sort of chatty podcast and they had someone on who wrote um I'm going to get all of this information wrong. I'm very sorry. Uh, he wrote a book called The The Lazy DM's Workbook or something like that. Um, and his advice, which I think is brilliant, is not to necessarily plan, like sort of furnish each and every room to the uh, like nth degree, but to just come up with like five or six secrets for like the players to discover in a, in a session. Um, and then as the opportunity comes up, Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master by Michael Shee. Shea? Don't know. Uh, been helped out by uh, by Mr. Ben Galpin hiding in the shadows there. Shea or Shea, yeah. Yeah, shame. Um, but uh, he said, yeah, so come up with the secrets, like the information for the, that's important to the plot. Uh, but then as the characters explore, just drop them into whatever scene happens to be happening so it might come out of an npc's mouth it might be found in a book it might be like written on a statue or something like that um and i actually think that's really good advice for someone starting out essentially don't put pressure on the minute details like just worry about the overarching uh plot points um and everything else will fill itself in so kind of you're thinking like the 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 common pitfalls really are just almost over planning and being rigid to that and what people should yeah. expect is like let the players dictate in a way the the what happens i think you kind of got to leave it open-ended 
Yeah, definitely. Like, um, I think the common pitfalls are to uh, spend too long planning so that when that doesn't happen <laughs> in game, you've sort of wasted time beforehand. Obviously, planning can be a lot of fun in and of itself. Uh, but uh, also to put too much pressure on yourself going in. Like, don't do that. Like, you're you're there to... The DMs are there to have as much fun as as the player characters. So come up with something fun that you think is going to be funny to watch the players react to, but then let them come up with something to entertain you at the same time. Oh, amazing. Hopefully for all the um, the wannabe DMs out there, that's a little bit of like information. It's like, take it cool. Have fun. Genius. Relax. Yeah. It's a it's journey a that we enjoy together. Yeah. Oh, that's made me feel all light and fluffy now. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to another question. And I've, I've just seen a notification uh, that our, the wonderful superfan Hannah uh, has a question and she is live in the Zoom now. So let's go over to her. Hi, guys. Hi. Uh, I'm feeling a type bit starstruck. Oh, my God. We're real people. Look at us. So I have sort of a two-part question. Obviously, with the current world situation, lockdown, etc., um, D and D is not altogether in a room around a table. Um, so, do you have a preference in terms of rolling physical dice or using an app, um, or like, do you use like D and D Beyond, or are you like pen and paper all the way? And sort of linked to that, do you have any D&D superstitions? Uh, I know charging dice might be. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, so let's unpack that. Uh, let's go with Sarah. We haven't heard from you in a little while. Do you have any like superstitions and stuff like that? Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if I have any superstitions particularly. However, that said, I am quite passionate about the fact that the dice need to be physical dice because there was a there was a short period when we first came into lockdown and I was um I I ended up having to use my app and I was convinced it was completely and utterly sabotaging me and ever since I got physical dice they were so much better so that's the closest I come to a superstition I was like ah Google is out to get me Sarah I completely agree with you I use physical dice for the same reason I'm like I don't trust the app they can they can I mean, why they would be out to get you, I don't yes, know, but I totally that's agree. Just algorithms, yeah. yeah. I know, it's yeah, ridiculous, yeah, yeah. but I just felt like I got far worse roles doing it over like the, the D20 Google roller than I did doing it with actual physical dice. So I was much happier when I had physical dice. So that's the closest I come. Um, and then as far as the D&D Beyond versus pen and paper, love the idea of pen and paper. And usually I would say that, but I am awful at maths. <laughs> and if I can see it written on that, uh, for some reason, clearly the way it's put out in D&D Beyond, I just find that I can find my weapons quicker. I can find what I'm good at, what I'm not. If it's on a piece of paper, even though it's just like two bits, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. So I don't know. I find it easier to. I feel in control of my character if I've got it on my on my tablet in D and D Beyond, and I'm just like, yeah, I know that I've got a plus three strength score. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, that's they're my preferences. So digital for D and D Beyond and my and my sheet, but it has to be real dice. Amazing. How about you, Vicky? I like 
leveling up on D&D Beyond with a bit of a nod to the player's handbook and printing out my sheets by like having sheets that but that I've sort of I like having it all nice and clean. Oh, so it's like a combination of the two then. Yeah. So oh, when when I first started playing, I was I had my Muji pen that you could rub out and I would like rub it out till I'd rub like holes in the paper. Um mm. and and now I like having it all like nice and neat and clean. I d- I don't know. I think cuz I've always had paper I struggle and particularly because I'm a sorcerer like trying to find spells I'd like I like having them almost like the paper like laid out like a piece of sheet music like sellotape together so it's just there physical I don't have to worry about it and uh, do you have any like superstitions as well no but the same as Sarah like I don't I don't trust the the, the the dice rolling apps at all (laughs) And like I'd never bought dice because we always played in real life and I always stole them off Baby David until <laughs> lockdown and suddenly I was forced to start using an app and I was like, nah. So that was the thing that forced me to get my own set of dice, which I now keep in a very lovely uh, dice pouch made by So Like Sarah Aww. on Etsy. Oh, we love the plugs. I've <laughs> got one too. <laughs> They're really um. cool. I've actually well, got my dice in, in what has been described as a chainmail testicle. <laughs> uh, wow. Actually, my little brother got this for me for Christmas. And I'm kind of in love with it. But then somebody called it that. And I was like, um, I'm, I'm again, I think it's, uh, I feel like it's got to be physical dice. It's something about their sensation of, first of all, like playing with the dice before you've even rolled it. Like trying to will them to do something. Um, like the apps for bigger rolls. Yep. Like if as soon as it's more than like four D whatever, uh, it's got to, it's got to go to an app just because um, do it like rolling the dice and then trying to add it up like that is a bit of a headache. Whereas like on on D and D Beyond for instance on their dice roll you can just say here's four dice and that's the result. Yeah, I was um, gonna say if you're a high level rogue and you've only got one set of dice, that is taking you a long yeah, time. Yeah, can you imagine having to roll that roll that sneak attack dice over and over and over and adding up? Which time? <laughs> she's been how there, many, she's how many, done it. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> how many dice have I rolled? How much is the number I'm on? I'm uh, just going to keep telling you numbers. I'm just going to keep saying exactly what happened. I was just like, how, how many? Oh, yeah. okay, I think this is my eighth one or something daft like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, also, but, dice uh, sound amazing on a podcast. They do. Like, the, it adds a little sort of noise. So, uh, am I able to answer this question as well, Hannah? As, as a Oh, I was about to ask you, Sam. I want well, to know yeah, if Hannah has any superstitions and, well, and what do, she does I do well. have superstitions. I, I am one with the charging dice. I, I've always done it. Not necessarily that I believe that... Um, that if I don't do that, that I will have bad rolls for the rest of the evening. It's it's more of a like OCD thing with me that that I feel like I'm gonna make bad choices if they're not all on their maximum output. Uh, but it's also like a, a therapeutic thing of just like oh, I'm gonna turn that d20 so it's perfect. Um, but uh, in terms of like using digital to using uh, like real dice and stuff like that. I I am a big fan of D and D Beyond. I started um, on Roll Twenty, so again on a on a back when you could meet up with people, I was still playing in a virtual environment with my mates. Uh, so I started off that way. I've only ever played once in my life with a sheet of paper, um, wow. and ever since then I've been D and D Beyond because I've I can make like twenty characters 
uh, in my own uh, the game that I run as well. All of my mm. player sheets are within D&D Beyond and I can update them and send them items on there. Uh, I can help mm. them out with little things. It's got its own builder on it. And things like when you get to a long rest, if you're playing as a magic type user and you get those eight hours, there's no like rubbing everything out. You just press the long rest button and everything is fresh again. Um, plus, I don't know, you can customize it and you can put little pictures in there and stuff like that. So I, I kind of like that element. However, I will never, ever use digital dice, um, <laughs> particularly because like I love the feeling of casting dice. And if I am going to roll a natural one, I want it to be me that did it. You know, <laughs> I don't want to leave that down to an algorithm. Yeah. yeah. Um, plus, for my birthday this year, somebody, uh, a wonderful person got me a dice tower. Uh, so I have a lot of fun now, you know, whenever I'm rolling any kind of check, I'll just pop it through the tower and that gives me an, an immense amount of, uh, satisfaction. What about you, Hannah? Do, what do you, what do you use? <laughs> Grace will be able to tell you that I have a, a few superstitions around dice. <laughs> um, so always physical dice and actually I'm pen and paper all the way. Uh, although Vicky sometimes like you I will print out a fresh one when it's just gotten too covered in scribbles um dice wise obviously charging dice very important Mm -hmm. gotta gotta get the maximum power into your dice (laughs) and have good (laughs) rolls uh so I like to arrange them by color uh I mean it looks nice mainly but it also helps to see which sets I've got and I don't like it when other people touch my dice without asking. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they put their their bad juju on it. And <laughs> also, uh, I will use different colored dice for different things. So certain sets of dice are for like magic rolls and certain ones are for combat, like melee combat rolls. That yeah, does make sense. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> Actually, saying that, again, my same little brother, he bought me like a Call of Cthulhu set of dice. Not the game, but they're just all covered in like eldritch horror tentacles and stuff. Cool. Um, and I do tend to, like you say, like different sets for different things. I tend to go to those for the monster rolls. Like every time there's something mm. that's a little bit more aggressive, like those are the dice that I feel like are more aggressive. Yeah. My barbarian character uses the red and the black dice a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That's quite true, actually. I didn't think about this one. And this this is probably more, again, OCD than than superstition. But at the beginning of every session, I have um, in my little dice tray, I've got six sets of dice. So I've got three metal ones and three uh, of the, the plastic versions. And they're set so that, you know, it's, it's a triangle of each, uh, naturally. Uh, but then at the beginning of each session, I will roll all of the D20s. And whichever ones have the highest outcome are the two that I use for my uh, my normal and, you know, advantage, disadvantage. Uh, but it's always, you know, the one that rolled as close to natural 20 is my prime die until it lets me down. Well, my dice literally sit in a heap on my desk whilst I'm playing. I had no idea that, like, this you level of thought... It. I could roll so much better. Are you Just, inviting chaos on yourself? What is I wrong think I you? am. <laughs> <laughs> although, although I do, I charge crystals and moon water under the full moon. So while we're having this conversation, I think what I will start doing is leaving my dice out in the full moon and see how that fares. And that will be my yeah. superstition as of the 28th of January. Oh, my God. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Moonstone <laughs> dice just to really amp that up. Oh, yeah. I'm getting some. <laughs> I'm already on Etsy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Amazing. Great question, Hannah. Thank you so much for yeah, that one. Thank you, yeah. Hannah. Awesome. Thank you. Um, amazing. And I think it's time for another question from Michael Cook, don't you? Yeah. Uh, and this is really interesting because it follows on uh, from what we've just been discussing with Hannah. Uh, he asks here, do you have a lucky dice? No. <laughs> Simple answer. No, I've only got one set, so I can't really, yeah, with, with Vicky, I can't really say I've got a lucky one because I've only got one set. So but, but it's lucky in that it's not one. Of, oh, out of all of the, of the different, uh, ooh, actually probably my D6. Ooh, interesting. Because mm. I, I, I've played with you in the past, and you roll a lot of natural twenties. Like a I need to thank. You do you know do. what? I need to thank Grace for this because Grace is actually the one who gifted me those dice, and they're in uh, my other character Alara's colours, which is where yeah. I played with you. And I think they're 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 Alara's dice, and I think that's why I don't know. Gifted maybe dice sound it. like lucky dice. They do, mm. don't they? So I think maybe she she put some good good energy my way. So I think maybe that's why they they roll well. Clearly not by touching them, though. We've heard that that is taboo. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You shouldn't. If we've touch learned anything tonight. Other that people's is what dice. We've learned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if I have a, a, a lucky dice. I do. I do like my d twenties. I feel like they they treat me well. Um, in, and and not necessarily treat my players well, but they treat me well. I feel like your D20s treat you well. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I've, I've, I find that, again, very, very ominous. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is from a friend of the show, Nikki Diss, uh, who I'm assuming has asked this in person. And uh, it's a question for David and Vicky. Uh, so on average, how many minutes or hours a day do you think about No Small Roles? Well, there's very little else to do in lockdown, so 24 <laughs> hours? Is 24 hours enough? No. 25 hours a day is probably better. And is this also when you're, when you're with your child? Uh, yeah. You're still thinking about... <laughs> I just have roles. full conversations with, with the little lady saying, do you think this is a good idea? And she gives me her opinions, um, which are most of the time, no. Because uh, <laughs> she knows that word now. Uh, <laughs> That's it. That's all she says. She says a lot of things. Uh, she says no man. She says no man when she wants to watch Frozen. So, Aww. correct reaction. Well done, everyone. Inspiration so for you all. It's cute. <laughs> it's it's cute until you've seen Frozen one, two, and our last Frozen adventure, and Frozen Fever three times in a day. Then you're like, no, I think we've had enough. No man, let it yeah, go. It I think I know why you're thinking of no small roles all the time. It's escapism. Yeah, it's just to distract myself. <laughs> uh, no, I, I feel like I think about it a lot, mostly because I obviously plan ahead and I'm also doing the music for it as well, like uh, part of the editing process. So um, as well as like uh, trying to uh, like promote it on, on, on the social medias and like do Patreon posts and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's... It's one of the best kinds of hobbies uh, to put so much work into. Like, I, I literally enjoy every minute of, of effort that goes into creating all of this. So, I, yeah, very happily listen, uh, think about it uh, every, every... Do you get those every like, chance you know, moments of, like, uh, like, thrill when you're like, oh, okay, I've just realised how that connects to that, and you're just like... Yes, so I had... I want to talk about this. Uh, in 
Is it the episode that we just had that had the wood carvers yeah. song in it? Yeah, yeah, the one that the, came the, out on the, the Sunday. Story. So, yeah, I was Spoilers. listening back to Spoilers. Sorry. Uh, episode 22, uh, Juna tells a story about a woodcarver. I ha- had not heard this story before Vicky started saying it. Um, but then listening back to it and writing the music for it, I was like, oh my God, the woodcarver is the one that has made this pipe. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's going to ever come back and be a thing. But like, I was suddenly super excited that I'd stumbled onto oh, some conspiracy God. in a story that I'm <laughs> like guiding. It uh, makes so, so much sense, though. And it, it makes, makes so much sense. And the thing is, sense. none of us like even like piece those two things together at the time. It's only like afterwards, listening back to it, that I was like, oh my gosh, that has to be the answer to to that. Oh, that's uh, so... uh, like where that thing has come from. It's, it's like so completely good. serendipitous, isn't it? Yeah, and it's like brilliant. we're we're episodes on now, and um, yeah, whether or not like that comes out in story, like uh, the players have found a way to to cope, shall we say? But uh, since then, <laughs> uh, obviously, no spoilers. But um, uh, yeah, the, the tale uh, of Crowl the Woodcarver. Crowl the Woodcarver. <laughs> oh gosh. No. Oh. Um, but yeah, no, so I, I, I do still get moments of, of excitement about the story. Yeah, definitely. Aww. How about you, Vicky? Um, so yeah, do you, how, how often throughout I, the day? I mean, it's average? interesting that Nikki has asked this question because I spend a lot <laughs> of time talking and working with the person who has asked this question, like really, really, really long amount of time. I find that I think about it like in a much sort of more sort of whimsical, nice way. Like if I'm going, I run a lot in Richmond Park and I like I find myself thinking about I also listen to No Small Roles a lot while I run, but I think a lot about things to do no small roles. But what I've found recently is I find like it's almost like in life, suddenly I'm like I, I see no small rolesy things. Like I haven't seen Willow since I was a child. And I watched it again over the weekend. And there are so many things in Willow that I'm like have I remembered that from when I was a child and 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 that's part of what I've put into no small roles um like there's well, like one an, an there's influence. one character in particular yeah. a sort of a, an old lady sorcerer that I'm like do I remember like is this somehow in my yeah. psyche or is it just something that like I felt like oh yeah I'll watch willow because I'm thinking so much about sort of fantasy things and I re- yeah I rewatched the lord of the rings trilogy over christmas and I find like it, I, I yeah I sort of feel like I'm sort of caught between the two worlds of like thinking about no small roles things and like oh how cool would this be and I wonder what's behind the mask and stuff and then suddenly being like huh like it has that yeah has that influenced me and I've not really realized it that's interesting do you find as well like story wise you know you're thinking about things throughout the week so if, if something happens in one week where you've played how much of that like stays with you till the next week where you're kind of like asking what what route is David going down next? Yeah, and th- I feel like there's always something that comes at like we've the the one that we uh, no spoilers here, but the episode we've just finished, I feel like June really learned a lesson and I feel like I've so- I'm sort of holding on to this whole like oh, how does Juna really feel about that? And how much is she going to just keep that inside? Or how much is she going to, like, who is she going to confide in? And how upfront is she going to be that she sort of feels this way about this sort of particular thing? Or, 
yeah, just sort of get a bit lost in it all. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's a nice place to be. And mm. my, my brain whizzes around really fast all of the time. I find it very hard to not be thinking of something. I'm not someone who finds things like meditation very easy. So it's almost like it's quite a nice uh, sort of thing to be whizzing around when I don't want to be stressed out about things. And and also, like I like I said on the last No Small Questions, like Juna is intrinsically linked with my nan who has passed away and my grandma who lives in Norfolk and I haven't been able to see. So I spend a lot of time kind of mixing those two things, which again is really nice. So mm. I spend a lot of, yeah, a lot of just <laughs> yeah, free of time, time yeah. thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. I think we do as well. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> good, I think about the show a lot. <laughs> Probably an embarrassing amount, considering I'm, I'm not in it constantly. Uh, but anyway, right, let's move on from that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's nice. I think it's nice having a yeah. having a like a communal world we can all get lost in. It's the same, yeah. you know. It's, it's why some of the massive franchises, which you know, you know, there's so many of them. That's why people get involved because we can all share about it we can talk about it and that's why super fan chats is so fun yeah oh bless you we'll do one just for you thanks (laughs) it'll entirely be about juna and everything that goes on with her i want to hear about juna i want to hear about everyone else (laughs) (laughs) i want to know orin's backstory i think we all do yeah there's little hints of it coming out and i can't wait for more little nuggets of information uh, but we, yeah, I'm sure Hannah and I will unpack all of that the next time we get a chat. Uh, there's a and lot Hannah of will just get it all right, about. so we'll all know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no clues for David this time. Um, <laughs> no book out. This next question <laughs> is actually for you, Dave. Uh, so from Twitter, this is at mm-hmm. Shaneomaniac, uh, who asks, "What is the Dave Master thinking or doing when the cast are monologuing to each other?" <laughs> Um, there are a few thoughts number one how long can i let this go on (laughs) so that i get a rest um and like the flip side of that like how long can i let this go on for before it gets too boring (laughs) i know that sounds weird like like the the conversations that they have are so fascinating um but also and i'm sure like quite easily just listen to two characters talking for an hour and a half but you know sometimes a bit of action has to happen so yeah a lot of the time i'm just waiting for a good moment that like it feels like the conversation has come to something uh, or that it's about to come to something and then i interrupt that's, i suppose this that's... is the thing with actors though is that they can just monologue for Oh, oh yeah! You know, if you just let them in, and like, that's the and episode. like especially especially this party, I'm sure I could definitely <laughs> walk away for an entire episode. And they would talk. We've actually got there again an episode that we've recorded fairly recently. I think it'll come out uh, toward the end of Feb. Um, they talk for 45 minutes, and I don't. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wow. And it is brilliant. Like I was sat there being like, "What's going to happen next?" But I did not need to say a word. <laughs> It was, it was, it, yeah, I, I was in like, if, if you're talking about moments. what I think you're talking about, I feel like you very much wound everyone up and just <laughs> yeah. let us go like let wind up go. toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, like a lot of it is like deciding what happens next when the conversation ends. Um, and a lot of it is just sitting and enjoying the conversation. 
um obviously for for dms that are listening like it is quite tricky sometimes and quite exhausting to like be turned on for a whole like a period of time so when the players are yeah, just I've, being I've... characters <laughs> yeah be really childish here. <laughs> not like that sam <laughs> If it's been more than four hours, call your doctor. Um, but you know what I mean? Like sort of being switched on, shall we say. Um, that like when, yeah, when players like start inhabiting uh, just their characters and they're just having conversations or like they're planning out uh, what they're going to do next. Like those whole planning sessions that, that parties can get themselves into. Um it is just really fun to just sit back and just listen um, and to enjoy it as much as they do. And you really, you really let us talk ourselves into a corner. Like, we must yep. be in tomorrow is a prime example of David going, oh, yeah. I'm going to just let you roll with this. Uh, yep. You're completely I'm going to see where this goes. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, that's a, that was great. And especially, like, you kept asking me questions and I was like, I'm going to give you short answers because I don't want to be involved in, in this. I want to see how ridiculous you get without my input. Because you yeah, fully did <laughs> Very. <to> decision <laughs> together and it was beautiful. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was right yeah. there with you for a few moments. Um, but actually, when, when you're saying about, you know, people, like, uh, not monologuing, but talking as a party and, like, coming up with things, um, it, it's kind of... This is a question from me, um, but when people start talking about their like backstory and stuff like that, d- does any of that like surprise you, or do you find that okay, these are things that we've discussed like a little bit before we started playing, and now that it's coming out in the story, I'm learning a bit more, or do you find sometimes you're like, okay, I actually didn't know that about Enkidu, or mm. um, you know, there's still stuff about Juna's past that clearly Vicky knows, but. I don't, as a DM, know that yet. And how does that make you feel when certain things yeah. come out? Because does it like change what you're about to do? Or so yeah, there are some moments that, like, obviously, I've had discussions with all of the players about like the the big points in their backstory. But then the way they tell it often comes out differently to how I've necessarily pictured it. Um, or for example, with um, with Sarah and Deacon, like we chatted about stuff, um, and then I sent her like a list of questions and like names and things that might come up but we hadn't then had like a follow-up conversation until the game so like the name Silifalia coming out i was like oh cool that's what he's called like i don't know <laughs> um, and yeah and, like a lot of the warrior stuff yeah like that i was 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 blown away by it was, it was really enjoyable to be like okay how do i build this in like this is more more toys to play with oh that's so cool and we love it when David gets surprised. It's really nice seeing him out of control. <laughs> <laughs> Such a rare occasion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, let's let's move on to we we we've we've had a couple of like hints at spoilers, but now let's make it official. There will be spoilers from this point on, people, because the questions are aiming in that direction. Um, so from our uh, Zoom chat, our Patreon Karen uh, has a question, which is. What's David's process for creating music? In one of the final episodes of the first arc, I noticed how each character seemed to have their own motif, which played when they had their action. How did he come up with these? That's a really good question. Yeah. <laughs> how to write music? I don't know. Karen. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's 
something I decided fairly early on is that I would try to definitely put music, at least scoring those small roles, is try to put music in um, when players cast magic. That, so that happens. I don't know if anyone's noticed that. And to be honest, there's probably times when I've forgotten. So every time there's a piece of magic to like lift it, rather than putting in a magical effect, I try to put in a little bit of a tune. Um, and then once I've written a tune for a particular spell, I save it. I just save it so that next time that spell comes out, I can chuck it back in. And you'll notice a lot of it is copy and paste. I might, <laughs> I might tweak it up, tweak it down, shorten it to like make it fit the description or like make it longer. Um, but like that's largely where the sort of themes come from. But then the other thing that I decided is for fights, because a D&D fight can go on for over an hour. Um, I just decided that when it comes to each player, like I'd like drag in pieces of music that I'd already had for them, like arrange them for the specific fight or the spell or whatever that they're using for that fight. Um, and then when it gets to the next player, just to switch up the music a little bit and make it interesting to listen to, to change what's happening in, in the music. Um, so that by the time it comes back round to the first player's uh, action in the next turn, I can go back to what I've written for them in that fight and like sort of bring it through. Uh, so that it feels like the music's changing, but then at the same time, you also get like a an, uh, like an audio representation of each character going through the same fight. So like there might be something like a, a drum beat that like carries through the whole lot to like tie the whole piece of music in together. Um, but uh, I, I went into a little bit of this on this in the, uh, the Patreon, uh, into a Patreon post um, about one of the music, uh, pieces of music that, to start out with the tricky thing that i have found is that to start out with um everyone in the very first episode so juna orin and enkidu they were all written in four four uh like four beats to a bar very straightforward and then when i wrote the second episode to like with um gaius and gwendolyn to make them sound a bit different and to make like give myself more options i wrote them in uh triple time so like six eights and three fours and things and then it got to the point that all of the characters were together <laughs> and the first fight that they are in, like the music is all over the place because for me, it's like, it doesn't quite, it represents that they are, they don't work together well as a team yet. Yeah. So the music is switching between like four, four to three, four as it changes character fighting. And then like later on, I've sort of like sort of tied them all together. So uh, a couple of Gwendolyn's themes uh, from the second episode have been now rewritten in four, four to fit in with other people. Um, and the other way around as well. You're a bit um, of a genius, really, aren't you? I I spend too much time thinking about these things. <laughs> is the point? Keep doing it, please. It's gold. <laughs> really is. I mean, there yeah. are there are certain points uh, where, like, basically, there's there's going to be a, a chat about Enkidu's past or something. You know, he's talking about uh, his role before, mm. and. It's like there, there was a moment I was listening to the episode the other day and I was like, and cue the tune. And it is one of my favorite, um, you know, character themes as well because of the, like, the grand nature of it. But I like mm-hmm. that there's that nostalgia, that familiarity with it. Yeah. But I'm going to have to go back again and listen to those early episodes. I want to hear that fight music. <laughs> I want to hear the carnage. Yeah. There's, um, yeah, I think it's episode four that they, in which they fight the deer um that the, it switches around quite a lot so yeah go listen listen back to that and you can yeah you can you can hear how chaotic it is i mean it sounds <laughs> nice as a piece of music i think i hope 
I actually listened to that one the other day with, you know, heard it through the grapevine. Uh, good old Gaius's yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. mockery. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other thing is like, I've slowly tied characters to certain instruments. So Enkidu is very brass because of that like sort of regalness to it. Yeah. Um, Juna has become staccato woodwind. Um, I don't know why she's just, and I feel like staccato, like especially like lower woodwind as well, sounds very goose-like. And for some reason, like she's not ungoose like. No, I know, but just that 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 like sound. Um, Orin has got his um, pizzicato strings um, going on. Um, I found there's actually for Gaius. It's it's an African instrument that I can't remember the name of for the life of me. But I found this. I was looking for a lute sound, and then I found this other one which has got a slight more like magical nature to the twangs. Um, and then Gwendolyn, I've just fully given her the main theme. Every time she punches <laughs> someone, it feels heroic. So I'm like, yeah, she can have she can have no small roles. Like, <laughs> oh, amazing! Yeah, and I'm hoping at some point that all of them do something together, and I'll just write like all of those instruments at once, and it will feel like it should. Um, but otherwise, they'll, they'll that's how I've kind of yeah. They'll come up they and so we perfectly. we hold hands yeah. and ca- summon Captain Planet or something, and, and then it'll come <laughs> in. With all of them. I, th- I think there's just going to be a, an obvious point in the story where everyone just merges into Enkidu and you become yep. super Enkidu. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Four new Patreons in there. Like. Patreons oh or patrons? Patreon. Sorry, I'm <laughs> talking about Patreons too much. But also, oh Deacon's God, that's theme. where all of our patrons live. In England, in England. Yes, my theme is very cool. It must be said. I was like, oh, oh I want to hear briefly, so but I've got great. a whole theme tune. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, that came out of our discussion of like his journey over on a ship and his like youth. I was like, I want it to feel like I'm going on an adventure and like really stereotypically adventure-like. Uh, it's ended up sounding a little bit piratey, but it's definitely got that ha-ha, knee-slapping yeah. type of... Yeah. Which is very, very Deacon. I think I know what I'm listening to tonight. <laughs> Some bedtime music. I can't wait for you to release your album, David. I will be the first one oh, there to buy it. Oh, you should. Because uh, just quickly um, before we move on, like the, the clockwork soul um, sorcerer music that you did was just, I mean, I listened to that and I was like, that's the class. Done. Yeah. So that was good. such a fun collaboration to work on as well. A um, whole bunch of us uh, tabletop RPG composers like fo- started following each other on twitter jumped into a discord together and then we were like right what are we working on as a group and that like when tasha's cauldron of everything came out it was just the perfect opportunity to be like everyone like putting something together as a whole but like working on our own pieces of music and it, yeah some of the like the whole collection is fantastic join our patreon At- to be able to download the whole album <laughs> <laughs> This is all one one big advertisement, guys. I'm going to listen to Deacon's theme tune, and then I'm going to listen to the entire album again tonight. That will be my nighttime music. Okay, moving on. Uh, We have a question. So this was originally asked on Facebook, uh, but now as she is in the Zoom, uh, Pippa, would you like to ask a question? Hello. Hello. My question, I guess, kind of goes a bit more to Vicky and David, just because of what it is, I suppose. Um, so it's it's about the fact that now the first chapter is kind of tied up and the characters have moved on elsewhere. Is there anything or 
uh, that you would like to explore further sort of inside Tillisham? Is there any kind of shops that maybe David, you'd kind of thought they might go to that you never got to use? Were there any kind of um, NPCs that you'd designed that you, that you never got to bring out? Um, I know that Juna was like, really wanted to go back into the Lockhart Wood to I to need see. to go back to the Henge Pipper. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I know, I, I knew that was gonna be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> but is there anything else that you kind of wished if you'd had more time there, you would have been able to explore further, is my question. I mean, yeah, like Juna is just, you know, a hop, skip and a jump ready to go back to the Henge. And I mean, like you guys are talking about it in the super fan chat. If I know David, <laughs> he does not leave loose ends. And it really, really worries me as an individual and as a character. Um, I mean, you know, Juna would always go back <laughs> to visit Jenny. I think, you know, they're lifelong friends now. Um, but 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 the main thing is, yeah, what what is happening to that henge now Ruana is not there? That's what I wanna know. I'm not gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like a Lenny and a Brenny. Yeah. All cousins of cousins. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I know Jenny from Tillish. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um as for like unused things, there was there's actually very little like left behind in Tillishan that I hadn't planned for. Like some things got rearranged. So if they'd gone to the cemetery earlier, for instance, the whole uh, little story thread of um, the the bodies being taken, mm. that would have happened much earlier um, and wouldn't have taken place in the Vondale grounds. It would have taken place in the Lockholt Wood instead. Oh, wow. So yeah, like again, as a, as a, as a way to... Uh, like bring another character on side like they could have helped out the huntsman's wife then and then she might have like snuck them in somehow the only things um that were missed um were three um like to fill out the the town a little bit more three tradesmen uh blacksmith a baker and a carpenter um and they weren't they weren't they were only there to like give more like hint toward the main storyline um so the baker could have told them a little bit more about the no candlestick makers. No, just <laughs> Ben piping up from them comments again. I see you, Ben Galpin. The chat is amazing um, tonight, by the way, guys. It's, it's, yeah, it's brilliant. Um, yeah, so the the baker uh, is an older man who, as a young boy, snuck into the woods with some friends to go looking for the witch. Um, and then I had this whole little thing where basically she just made all of these boys get really itchy for a week. Um, um, but he'd come out and like all of them had told fantastical stories about like being turned into frogs and blah, blah, blah. So a lot of like the false facts about Ruana in the wood had just come from kids playing in the wood and her like encouraging them away. Um, and then between the blacksmith and the carpenter, the carpenter has recently been um, hired to make a lot of furniture for the Vondells. Uh, but was just delivering it to the gate. So he wasn't sure why they needed so much furniture. But obviously, it was all going downstairs, so to speak. Um, and the blacksmith was essentially there just to have a crush on the carpenter. And so to direct people over that way, um, like for, for that. But of course, like none of that came up. I think the, the blacksmith mirth is mentioned when Enkidu buys a shield right toward the end. Uh, but that's it. Like everything else pretty much got used. Nice. The one that Obviously. always made me wonder was only because you mentioned it a couple of times in a particular episode was about the sewers. Mm. 
you were giving the characters oh, a choice oh, of three yes. places. Yes. And yeah. I was going, I want to know what's in the sewers. I want to know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there was an entrance into the uh, underground bunker via the sewers. Um, and that was also partly how the thieves had been moving around. Uh, they would steal stuff and then they'd jump into the sewers and get into the bunker that way. Um, yeah, so you actually mentioned that at the point that you spoke about before, you know, when she was mm-hmm. after the resurrection of her family. And, mm-hmm. you know, because I thought that was like the only way that they were going to get into the bunker. But she mentioned the sewers then and it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you, Pippa. Like it, it stuck yeah, with me. So, it was like, oh, right, right. So the footsteps out of the um, out of the barn, uh, right in the third episode, I think. If they'd follow those, they would have led to a sewer grate, and they could have gone down into the sewers and tried to explore down there. And basically, there would have been a uh, not quite a door, but like a, a metal opening with the Vondel symbol on it. Uh, so it was like a, another way into the bunker without necessarily having to use the key or without having to force their way through that dragon door either that um, feels like by far the way we should have gone no no there was a real <laughs> dragon on the other side yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and obviously like you know with any D sewer there would have been some like ugly critters down there some some big old rats that would have like caused them trouble on the way but yeah like it was it was a another option that obviously like they 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 went through they used other paths so yeah that's one of the fun things of like i, I mean i made a map for it and everything but it's never gonna be used <gasps> i will i will <laughs> genuinely like yeah. my campaign <laughs> yeah well yeah i'll keep it hanging around until next time they're in a sewer and i can be like haha i've got one um, uh but yeah like uh, it's basically like trying to keep as many different routes open so that if one of them got cut off at any point there were still options for the story to carry on was basically my thinking in that. And yeah, if they if it had completely failed with Dahlia sort of getting the key off of her or like convincing her otherwise, then I would have like heavily hinted that there was a sewer network and maybe they should go look in the sewers because surely the sewers have got a way down underground in the sewers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Thank well, you so much, Pippa. Thanks, Pippa. Uh, let's let's have another uh, question from one of the uh, our, our Patreon audience. Uh, so, Hannah Clancy, you are in the Zoom, aren't you? Uh, and apparently, you have a question to ask. Yes, I do indeedy. Uh, so, I've got two questions because I'm cheeky and I wanted to ask two things because uh, I thought this one had already been asked and then it didn't, and I was like, right, I've got to say it. Uh, I'm expecting a, a like a sort of silent zip of the lips, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> Will Deacon Fireheart be making a return? <laughs> I don't I don't know, and I want that to be a yes. <laughs> I can only stare at David. <laughs> I, so we have we've really only I think Sarah sort of obviously in the conversation that we've had about his character creation, we've <laughs> not done his full story yet, have we? No. No, nowhere near. <laughs> so, so The option is there should the DM wants and think Deacon is useful to come back. So yes, we haven't seen all of Deacon's yeah. story. So that's, um, it's there as an open choice. I mean, yeah. yes, yes is the answer that we're looking yes for. Yes is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like I've I've got further plans for, for Deacon. Um, so yeah, it'll just be about scheduling essentially and like making mm. it fit in with the story as it goes. Um but yeah, I mean, wild, there there is every opportunity. Barbarism. Deacon is still alive. Deacon is still on his quest. Mm-hmm. So why not? Yeah, just comes yeah. back with like handfuls of frosting. 
He's <laughs> <laughs> become a frosting addict since we saw him last. <laughs> Well, that was Gwendolyn. <laughs> Gwendolyn, yep. <laughs> Sorry, Hannah, I cut you off there. No, it's right. Yeah, no, I just wondered if it was uh, that you might come back as an alternative character. If perhaps Deacon didn't quite fit in, you might come back as someone else instead. I just didn't know whether that would be the level. No, I, th- I think where, where we kind of left it was very much sort of, yeah, Deacon's very much got an option to come back mm-hmm. um, where he is at the moment. So it'd be nice to have him back. Yeah. I'm very happy to say. <laughs> Plus, I want to know more about Silvalia, so <laughs> I need Sarah to come back just to give me the answers. Oh, that was so random. That's so brilliant that you just came up with it on the fly. It's such a good name. I, I, well, I don't even know how I came up with it. I, I had got it written down, I think, just before I, I was like, well, who is this warrior? And I, I did write it down. But yeah, it was after my conversation with David C. I, I kind of had forgotten that I hadn't told him that. So I saw his face go, oh. <laughs> write, How are we spelling this one? <laughs> How's this going? Um, yeah, but because the warrior was so important to Deacon, it was really important that I knew exactly everything about about the warrior mm. and who it was. And yeah, so I, I made sure that I fully fleshed out that story too. Yeah, it was really mm. cool. Did you say he destroyed a whole army with like a, a toothpick or a pin or something? It was... Yes, uh, he defeated a half an army using nothing but a toothpick and the rays of the midday sun. Amazing. <laughs> I I don't know how that works, but I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't wait till yeah. we meet the warrior. Um, and yeah. you're not you're yeah. not the only person that wanted to know this, Hannah, as well, because uh, Nikki Dis had actually <laughs> asked, "When are we likely to find out about um, how Deacon's quest is progressing?" And in all caps, <laughs> "I want more." So there was, a, there was a big outcry for a Deacon return. So yeah, David, work your magic. I would be very happy to yeah. assist that. Oh, it's going to happen. It's, it needs to happen. Um, yeah, it's just about when. It's just yeah. about when. Yeah. Yay, thank you for asking that, Hannah, because now this exists. <laughs> he said it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I was going to say about the name I'm so glad you thought of that on the fly I probably would have come up with something like Gary or Dave like oh Dave <laughs> the great warrior he's, he's great <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could give a better idea of exactly where the name came from but it literally just like yeah that sounds like a great warrior name I'm going to go with that <laughs> yeah but I did think of it before the episode. So yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't quite as on the fly as that. <laughs> yeah, my other question that I wanted to ask was, uh, so if you could play a different character for the rest of the campaign, who would you play and why? Obviously, David, you get your pick of anyone, which is great for you. <laughs> question. Wait, one excellent. of the other like cast characters. Yes. Ooh. So you can't play your own character. So obviously for Vicky, you can't play Juno. And then obviously yeah. Sarah, you can't play Deacon. You have to play someone else for the rest of the story. Oh, the cogs are turning. Look at them. Yeah. It's so hard because yeah. I want to play That's all a of great them. question. No, that's the thing. I think actually I might be able to answer this fairly quickly. I think I'd probably pick Juno. And that's not just because Vicky's here, but actually when I was talking about creating like a, a character for no small roles my initial go-to was I wanted to to create this older character and I wanted and as I started to think about it I was like this character already exists in no small roles so (laughs) (laughs) I can't I'd be treading on Juna's toes so I think mine would mine would be Juna I think she's just she's so yeah bubbly and fun but there's so much hidden in there so yeah Mm. I'd I'd pick Juna I have to say I think I'd pick Enkidu I think it'd be really Mm, fun to play Enkidu and like 
yeah just like personality wise but also like logistically wise I think it'd be a massive challenge like I don't know how Daryl does it <laughs> so like intense and involved but I think it would be really fun thing is okay, I can well, see if, you just constantly making charisma checks all the time <laughs> just to see what's going to happen <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that would be my safety net uh, can I just make a charisma check <laughs> Natural. Um, if if Vicky's playing Enkidu, then I definitely want to play Gwendolyn. Oh. So, yeah, mostly so that I can just wind you up. Yeah, like, from across the table, like yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Gwendolyn is such a. I love watching Grace play Gwendolyn. Like she Me too. is. She's got that wonderful balance of like I'm new to the world, but also like I have morals. So <laughs> and I have a line. Like, don't cross that line. Like the 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 like headstrong nature of her, but like those moments of naivety are so fun because it just means that you can dive into every situation, but at the same time have a like still have like sudden realizations about things that other people take for grant gra- granted. <laughs> granted. Speaking to me too much, Dave. Yeah, I, I'm spreading, <laughs> Sarah. Is spreading. Do you want to be? Gwendolyn on frosting or just Gwendolyn all the time because the, the oh, episode wow. of Burying Fields was just the, uh, the choices oh. that she would make it was so funny yeah see they, actually do you know what I was so looking forward to to getting to sort of get Deacon getting to know Gwendolyn as Gwendolyn actually is because the, there are certain similarities in that naivety mm. and then she was on frosting <laughs> most of it I was just like what is oh. this <laughs> it cracked me right up yeah. it was just like oh okay good <laughs> i love curveballs like that but yeah i just remember going oh okay i need to rethink this tactic <laughs> yeah uh the fun thing about gwendolyn is obviously she's a monk so um on paper it's simpler to play <laughs> you can worry about like the enjoyment of like the playing rather than like i was thinking maybe orin or gaius but both of them have got the spells and sometimes my brain gets a little bit broken with those so. I'd, I'd love to say you're in, but I do not even understand how artifices work. No, I, I would want to play Orin just based on what I've heard, the way that he, uh, the way that Ben has built his spells, because you know that's yeah. the interesting thing about an mm, artificer thing, is that yeah. you know they create this magic from the things that they've constructed. But it's it's like the thing with the bees. The first time I heard that, I was just that yeah. is genius, and like mm. I applauded nobody because nobody was there. <laughs> it's that and the the duct tape of mending. Oh, yeah. And have so you have good. you seen the bees on Orin on the No Small Rolls artwork, artwork that yeah. Sophia did? Sophia oh my god, such it's... amazing job. Yeah. Um, who can would I, you can play, I ask Hannah? That one? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Hannah, who would you play? I think. Oh, that's so tricky because, like, so I, I've been telling David about this because I know David from work. Uh, I'm going to play a campaign soon, the very first campaign ever, and I'm so excited. <gasps> yeah. So I feel like for experience reasons, I'd want to be in Kidu because I just love, I love magic and I love the idea of the warlock and I've got such an edgy backstory for my characters. I'm like, if I just channel that inner edge from in Kidu, then it will help yeah. me in my campaign. He's all edge, isn't he? He's all edge. <laughs> He's got multiple edges, apparently, depending on what He's he rolls. Got, yeah. He does, yeah. yes. <laughs> the music plays and everyone's like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you decided just to go like Uber Geek, what kind of warlock you're thinking of playing? Oh, so I've got a really deep backstory thing, which I don't know if I'm allowed to do, but my DM said it was okay, where I had the idea where it's a tiefling, but she's rejected her tiefling side of herself after her family abandoned her during a raid. Ah. 
And so she makes a deal with the devil and turns into a human. Oh, cool. such a good story. <laughs> David, David, can we get Hannah to bring her character? <laughs> <laughs> Next I guest character. First. I've done like no ability checks or anything. I'm like, she has no scores, but backstory. <laughs> That's where it all starts. Everything the scores else take is just, care of yeah. themselves. If you was, yeah. yeah, they do. Backstory yeah. comes first. So I think warlock wise, I think it's, I very much want her to be like a kind of a protector because the whole point of tieflings is that they're quite aggressive and people don't like them. And like part of her consequence for the reason, the re- the thing what she can't do because she's made this deal is that she can't ever verbally express her love to anyone. Like that's her curse she's to live with because the whole and point of Does your DM is, know that? Oh yeah, yeah. I've told her like everything. I've I feel like your DM is literally going to be like, and here's a love interest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, one after the other. Happen. Yeah, like, I'm just, I'm yeah, really so intrigued I've... by the, yeah, the idea of a celestial warlock that's signed some kind of pact with the devil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I thought the magic would be more like protective. Like, they want to help people and be kind, but they have to like keep moving in order to not form like really close attachments. So, I think it's going to make for an interesting campaign at the very least. Um, Sam, who would you play? Oh, yeah, I think it would be Orin. Just, just for the for the reasons that I've said. But I'm. It would be picking up the Orin that Ben's already been playing. It wouldn't be like creating Orin from the beginning. I want to be like, oh, my tape. Um. But I just, I love that the backstory hasn't quite been fleshed out yet, that he can be kind of a closed book. So I wouldn't be uh, putting my own spin on the character. You know, I I try and pick up on that kind of like slightly uh, like awkward nature of like, "Mm, do I give this information away? You know, how does that reflect upon me? But also he's quite, he seems like quite um, a sweet and innocent youth, which when I look at like my past characters, these are the guys that I really enjoy playing, the people that have loads of power, but don't really want to use it in an offensive way. Um, mm. I just find him like a really intriguing character. Um, and his his spells yeah. and his dragon are just so cool. Yeah, that'd be me. Watch out, Ben. <laughs> coming for you. <laughs> um, wonderful. Thank you so much, Hannah, for your question. Thank you, uh, Hannah. Questions. Thank you. Um, I think let's let's turn the focus on Sarah a little bit. Um, we I think we want to know a bit more about Deacon Fireheart Button, and it's actually not just the listeners who have questions. Uh, the no small cast, uh, no small role cast, have uh, sent in <laughs> questions for you as well. So um, for Deacon, should we do like a little bit of hot seating for Sarah here? Uh, I'm just going to fire away with these questions. Answer them yes. as best you can. <laughs> So um, what was uh, your inspiration for Deacon Fireheart Button? Like, is he, is he based on anyone that you know or that you've met? Or is it like a random creation? Um, I don't think he, he's certainly not based on any one specific person at all. But I think there, um, there are elements of him that are definitely inspired from other things. Um, I'm I'm a huge Terry Pratchett fan and I have since the beginning of last year been going back through all of my Discworld series again and I have a feeling that I might have been reading Interesting Times when I was thinking about (laughs) Deacon and I suspect the character of Two Flowers somewhere kind of influenced this idea of someone just so naive at the world that had no idea Um, and it wasn't me directly taking that but I sort of stopped to think about it and I suspect that that element influenced his sort of naivety. Um, as I say, when I was first thinking about making a character, um, the last character I made for a campaign is, um, she's a tiefling rogue. She's 
grumpy. She's uh, 19. She's just like, yeah, whatever. And it's totally kick-ass. And I was like, there's certain, she's great fun, but I just wanted something totally different. And initially I was kind of thinking of someone, like I said earlier, a little bit of an older character. Um, and, and when I started to think about what I wanted that character to be, I realized it was too like Juna. And that's when I started to sort of think about well, what else interests me. And then sort of, as I started thinking about this naive character, I d- instantly, I knew he had to be a boy. He had to be from somewhere and, and uh, different, had sort of traveled. And I just love this idea of this person just taking the world at face value. But I also didn't want him to be completely squishy. I wanted the, uh, the sort of irony of this person who has no idea and no knowledge uh, of, of common sense, but weirdly is actually very good at, at, at um, I suppose, that charismatic charm and and then sort of thinking about character. I was chatting with a friend, actually, who uh, plays a lot of D&D and uh, kind of chatting through what I want. And that's where we started to come up with this idea. He said, have you heard of Wild Magic Barbarian? I was like, no, what's that? So cool, aren't they? And, and, and <laughs> yeah. once we started talking about it, I was like, that's exactly what I need. I need it to be something that, that is powerful that has no sense there's no logic behind it it just fitted everything I was thinking of and then I suppose the other bit on top of that I'm a Brummie and you know we don't get represented enough so that's where the accent (laughs) then came in and I was like yeah I think these sort of elements all started to drop into place and that's how he sort of started to come together and yeah I think I just always had in my head that he just always has this huge smile on his face (laughs) and that kind of helped too and that that came um, across in through listening to it as well i could feel mm. your smile and i could feel how much you were enjoying playing that character and that that is something that i have to say for the entire no small roles cast is that first moment from you guys speaking i knew who you were like everyone came in and they were their character and they've been their character mm. and adapting throughout this story it's the same for deacon you kind of got this sense of like a a kid who is pure talent but not a lot like going on up there no, very yeah. little. <laughs> <laughs> so very <good>. little. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, actually, th- this is great. Um, there's another question here. Like, People would love to know why that particular like subclass appealed for Deacon. When you first heard like Wild Magic uh, Barbarian, did you have another one in mind before that? And did it just kind of like click? Or did you have to make parts of the Deacon you'd already um, started thinking about? meld with that class um do you know no there was another class that oh goodness me this is really i think i've got it so clear in my head now i actually can't remember what class it was well, i know we had there was another the, in the character it? creation there was a wild magic sorcerer was another option sorcerer that uh, was it yeah, yeah. and so, yeah and i kind of bounced between the two a little bit um yeah and i think it just became the more I started to realise who he was and this sort of naivety, this kind of, actually, there's something almost too, there's something too intelligent about being a sorcerer. I kind of like the idea that this brawn kind of came about almost by accident. He didn't really, yeah, that was something he could have just done. He didn't need to think about it, which then made the magic funnier when it happened. Um, So yeah, that's, I I toyed with that a little bit, but I think it would have taken him in a bit more of a sensible direction. (laughs) But does he know why his his wild magic, uh, like when he goes into a rage, why why these magical effects happen, or you know, do you think it's kind of a surprise no. for Deacon as well? Yeah, it's a huge surprise for Deacon as well. Oh, so <laughs> he knows it. Ha- yeah, he knows it happens, but he doesn't know why. He thinks he's going to get all of his answers from this warrior, from, from so Prince of Valia. 
Um, he's he's on his pilgrimage. He, he's got this solved. It'll be fine. It's <laughs> in his head. Uh, we've got another question here, which is, I'd love to know about all of Deacon's sayings from his warrior. <laughs> so, <laughs> I really enjoyed how much depth they brought to the character and where did the inspiration for them come from? Um, That's a brilliant... Yes, um, I do actually... <laughs> I actually had to write down all of his sayings because I'd just come up with things randomly in the day and I was like, that'd be perfect. I need to need to do that. I need to put this down. And it might be that I saw... Oh, you don't see them so much anymore. There was a whole point where social media was swamped in inspirational quotes. And I suppose it kind of came from that idea. But I just kind of liked the idea that he'd got this... um the, the compass comes from his dad. The stories of the warrior comes from his dad. And so he's kind of grown up with these stories. They're sort of interspersed with these snippets of wisdom. And he, he just takes them at absolute face value. And I love that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I suppose a combination of inspirational quotes... Still a, a little loath to say something like the Jedi, but a little bit something like the Jedi, where there is something that apparently there's books and stuff about it, but there's, but no, that's never really gone into it, and certainly not in the films anyway. And so it's kind of like there's the, the, the Jedi lore is there, but people kind of espout the different bits. So I suppose there's a little element of that came into it as well. I mean, I can't wait to see David playing the warrior as Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a pin, sunbeams. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's canon now. Oh, That's canon. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, did anything Gosh. surprise you about Deacon's character that you hadn't actually planned? Uh, were there moments in that episode where you're like, "Oh, I didn't see that one coming," but it's it's there now? Yeah, yeah. I suppose actually, in the sense that as he started interacting with people, and I think we we had discussed the fact that. There must be something quite charismatic about him because he's managed to talk himself into getting on this boat. There had to be something about him that was that's relatively charismatic. But actually, I was surprised once we started playing exactly how charismatic he was and how much he was able to, to find his way in with each character. And it certainly wasn't ever a deliberate ploy of, oh, right, I need to get this person on side. But actually, this development of genuine interest and friendship came about from his naivety and that was certainly nothing I planned the the whole conversation he had with Enkidu and asking about the swords and I love the developments of those little relationships with each character Mm. so yeah that was definitely not planned of how how well he could get on with people like that it came across really well there was there was quite a good bond between you and Enkidu as well Mm. Um, you know when you were Mm. dealing with the bodies and the hex and everything and like the way that you Mm. spoke to each other back at the campfire you really did get that sense more so than with Gaius for example who turns up naked and in a door Yes, he was a bit shocked by that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, actually, this is interesting because the guy's thing leads on to this. Uh, What would Deacon have done if he hadn't got his compass back? Oh, do you know what? I don't think he ever considered it was an option, ever. I think it would have been, I would have found out when the game happened because genuinely, in Deacon's head, there was just no way it was going to happen. He knew where he was going and he was going to get it. He's so single-minded, he just doesn't see that things won't work out the way he thinks it will. He thinks he's going to get to that warrior. He thinks there won't be any issues. So he will in his head. And it's not until he's literally cut down dead that he'll be like, oh, right. Oh, shit. I need to come up with something else. Um, so, yeah, I actually, I had no plan for, my, for, for Deacon's 
reaction if he didn't get that compass. I was actually a bit nervous about it because I was like, God, I don't know how this is going <laughs> to I mean, I love that moment when you, f- when you saw it and you were like, no, I'm going in with this card. Like, doesn't matter what David's, you know, character might have it- with their cards. It's like, no, I'm winning this game. I'm putting everything yeah. down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness me. That card game. I couldn't believe my roles. I genuinely couldn't believe it. I was just no. watching my dice going, this is amazing. I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> I was so excited. Yeah. So I'm thrilled that he won it. <laughs> I mean, I was getting worried because I, I was genuinely rolling dice along with you as well. Like I hadn't planned out the numbers or anything. And like as my numbers were getting higher, I was like, is this going to happen for Deacon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot riding on this one set of cards, but. Yeah. I mean, I don't know off the top of a hunch might be that he might have just started to use force, to be honest, to try and get it back. It would be my s- suggestion, but I mean, depended how the other person played the game and how they handled it. So mm-hmm. uh, I think everyone get your dice ready as well. We'll have a game of, was it a strip card game after this? Strip card game. <laughs> The perks of being a Patreon member. (laughs) See more of your cast than you ever thought. Let me let me get my chainmail testicle out again. (laughs) No small rolls here. (laughs) No, Um, (laughs) definitely not. Definitely. Um, (laughs) Another question. Do you mm-hmm. think Deacon will find the warrior? Now, we know what Deacon thinks. Deacon, definitely yes. Sarah, do you think Deacon will find the warrior? Uh, I'm going to leave that hanging. No! <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I'm going to leave that hanging for multiple reasons. Ooh. I'm intrigued. Sorry. I can just refuse to answer, ask more questions until you give me an answer. <laughs> probably, for time constraints, we should probably push on. <laughs> And now we're kind of, uh, we're, we're opening it up back to everyone. And I think this is a, a kind of a question for everyone. Maybe, David, you can pick a character for yourself. Mm. But this is from Emma Claire, who asked this over Facebook. You bought each other presents for the Heart of Spring. But if you could, what would you want to buy your own character as a gift? Um, and let's ask Vicky this one, since you have like a core character. What would I, Vicky, buy for Juna? For Juna, yeah. God, what a good question. I'm answering this like knowing what everyone knows in the game. I think, yeah, I think if I gave my true answer, it would be like the biggest spoiler I could give. <laughs> uh, oh, God, I don't know. I mean, maybe Gwendolyn bought Juna the perfect present. It was the, the perfect present. The mindset, or just like, you know, Jenny in a box or something. Jenny in a box. I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, she's never gonna not enjoy, like, multiple familiars. I think I'd get her a second familiar to be friends with Ruana. It would this be the, um, the animal pers- personification of, because you've got, you've got of Ruana Jenny. with you now. Of in, Jenny. Okay, so you don't, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what animal would Jenny be? <laughs> uh... Goose. Goose works. I was thinking, yeah, some kind of bird like a parrot or a... A parrot know, would be even so better. So it's going to make a lot yeah. of noise. So yeah, I think I think that's what I'd get. She'd go off, she'd hear a message and she'd relay it back to you, like the, the gossip queen that she is. Yeah, but it would take ages mm-hmm. and ages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she'd fill you in on, on everything, not just what it is that she'd been sent yeah. to see or whatever. <laughs> she'd yeah. be like, oh, and there was this other guy and oh, I saw some kissing and oh my gosh, have you heard about these two? Love it. Sarah, what would, what would Deacon get for themselves? Behind pushed to pick one thing because I was like oh most of the stuff that he really wants is all experiential stuff so that doesn't count but I think actually just keys to an armory and him to have a pick of what the hell he likes he just wants to play with weapons so I think just let him probably want to pick up the biggest heaviest thing he could possibly carry just to see if he could use it so I'd kind of just say yeah there's the keys in you go have fun (laughs) more things to stuff in your backpack I love it exactly that Can can I fit this 
impressive. <laughs> I have a long sword and I've got this. And if I put that under my arm, yes, yeah, he'd be totally that. So yeah, as much as many weapons as he can carry. Love it. <laughs> David, uh, firstly, which character would you be? I was thinking, I was like, mm, do I do I get Jenny a little like Jenny for Mayor badge? <laughs> do I uh no, do you know what? I feel like if I were to buy anyone anything, I would buy Kral a replacement table. Aww. He was wronged. He was wronged. He just wanted his stuff back and nobody would give it to him. He was quite happy just sitting in his tower. I seem to remember something about the dead rising and Titans tearing the earth asunder, so we know that that's a lie. Yeah. Well, I mean, that wasn't maybe all Kral's fault. I don't know. <laughs> Those are just possible ends of the world that may or may not be coming. Has any of it been stopped? That that ar- that army of the dead at the Henge was a hundred percent Kral. Don't even pretend. Okay, it that wasn't. was that was yeah. <laughs> um, or maybe I'd buy Iris uh, a lock for his barn, Aww. <laughs> so nobody else is coming in stealing stuff. Oh, I miss Iris. Yeah, I just was thinking that, Sam. I was literally, like, taking an in-breath to say exactly the same thing. Like, oh, I really miss Iris. We're getting smiles from the rest of the, the Patreon members as well, which I think they agree. Yeah. yeah. Good character, David. When lockdown's over, Baby David, you should role-play Iris, and we'll, like, come to your house and pretend it's his tavern and have a lovely time. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a lot of work for me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you write the music for it as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If I could just have some tavern music playing in the background, get a whole brewery uh, and just make you some... Sure, I'll serve you drinks for the night. Yeah, okay. (laughs) It's all right. I'll I'll roleplay Jenny and I will have already been elected mayor. So I'll do some work too. Glorious. Or I'll roleplay Jenny and I'll just keep popping in and out. And every time I come back in, (laughs) I'll be somebody else. That's that's our Patreon evening out. I was going to say, I'll be Bessie because you'll blatantly leave me out. (laughs) Guy has to be running off. Fuck, where's the horse? We digress. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, we've got another question here from Superfan Hannah. Uh, over to you. Okay, so this may be a little bit more conceptual, but if you as a person got like transported to a fantasy land and suddenly were a D&D character, what do you think your class would be and what would your proficiencies be? Like you as a human being, not if you were making a new character. I did a really in-depth online quiz to see what race and class I would be. And I came out as a druid dwarf, which I really stand by. And then like, what proficiencies would we choose? Or what do you think we, we would have to have like what we are genuinely more proficient at? Based on your current like personality and interests and skill set, what do you think your proficiencies would be? I would be town folk. <laughs> HP of one. I think my proficiencies would be climbing, running, and that's it. All of those athletic things. That's definitely. Mm. I think I'd be nearer the physical end. I mean, I'm I'm just putting out there everybody here would have performance as a proficiency. I've seen enough of (laughs) these guys performing to know that they are very, very good. And I hope that I can add it to mine as well. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Hamlet over here. We check that circle. Yep, so I would be a druid dwarf climber sure um i feel like if i w- wasn't a bard i'm not sure where i'd fit Which you would be yeah <laughs> bard or bard or wizard i think is probably yeah. where i'd end up just happier with books and things than yeah proficiency wise i've got no idea beyond performance which uh, whilst i can write music cannot play any instruments little you can fact play the you ukulele all. okay i can play the ukulele i've got some chords on a ukulele <laughs> And I own a two-stringed violin. 
but that's that's it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Bard. Bard I think I you'd have all of the like charismary proficiencies. Mm. Mm. Really? Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Performance persuasion, definitely deception. Definitely. Oh, deception. Okay, <laughs> deception. Yeah, I've got that. Yeah, what about you, Sarah? I mean, I think I'd probably be a halfling, but given my <laughs> my genuine height in real life. Um, <laughs> I'm only five foot by explanation. Um, I'm really rubbish at remembering what all the classes are and what they do. I think my prof- uh, proficiencies I could probably do a little bit easier. Uh, I know I know which ones I wouldn't be. I definitely wouldn't be a bard because I'm rubbish with music. And uh, having played a rogue a lot, I'm definitely not a rogue either. <laughs> <laughs> She's fun, but no. <laughs> I think, so my, my proficiencies I think would be things like investigation and quite persuasion, um, insight maybe. They'd be the kind mm. of things that I'd be more sort of comfortable, more comfortable with. I'm not massively, a little bit of physical, but not a huge amount. There's so definitely, definitely not um, musical at all. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what class would suit that the best that I can think off the top of my head it definitely wouldn't be I think you'd make uh, quite a good like paladin like someone mm, who yeah. like gets stuff done organises leads that kind of stuff definitely yeah I can never quite remember the distinctions between the clerics the paladins and the and the monks but yeah I was one of those with paladin no at the same time if Humphrey were there with you Beastmaster Ranger oh my goodness yes it's funny you say that because I, I was going to go with that yeah yeah <laughs> Well, I'd, I'd have to have my dog with me. So yeah, Humphrey would come too. I mean, he'd just bark at everything. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Protection right there. <laughs> what about you, Sam and Hannah? Yeah, I was going to say 100%, you know, based on what we've been doing in this last year of the pandemic, you know, the only thing that we can do is, you know, go outside for walks with the dogs and we've got loads of woodlands near us. And I've always been quite good with a bow. The, I, I do think I would be some kind of like, you know, wood elf, uh, wood elf ranger. A, a bow or a Bow. Both, actually. <laughs> um, but good. <laughs> the one it's that a good goes skill to have. Um, I love, I love how Vicky again just gestured on a podcast. <laughs> a bow or a bow. I said what I meant with my a bow or a bow. That was super clear. I mean, I'll exactly. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for the clarity. Yeah. Uh, the one that shoots arrows. I've, I've you know always what? been good the with. The second time you said them both, I heard it. Yeah. So it makes more sense. <laughs> Sorry, I completely railroaded you, what you were saying, and I did not mean to. No, not at all. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, Wood Elf, You're good Ranger, with a bow. Beastmaster, because I'd be there with, with my dog, who in this situation would be a direwolf. Amazing. Sure. <laughs> Slightly more ferocious than the cute, adorable mess he is. <laughs> and I'm, I've always been told that I walk too quickly, and there's something about, you know, the long strider ranger. I think that, that fits in with my skills, like acrobatics, survival. Yeah, I think that makes sense for me. I'll, I'll think of one later that... that is absolutely on point but for now i will be yeah ranger how about you hannah mm-hmm. how do you see yourself probably also a halfling <laughs> um <laughs> but uh, i have to say at the moment i'm i would definitely be a bard uh both because i do play music and uh, love music and i just i feel like that's where my skill set lies mm-hmm. But I'm playing a goblin bard at the moment. And I don't know, maybe I'd be a goblin. I love that. It's it's a really great way of unleashing some of my id. Like, (laughs) being a horrible little goblin. (laughs) I just love the fact that you've chosen a bard, charisma-based, and you've got a minus two as a goblin. It's so good. (laughs) 
<laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much, Hannah. Brilliant question. I think we uh, we have run very late, but I, I, I hope everyone's been enjoying <laughs> it as much as I have. This is why it runs away from us. Uh, but let's let's ask one more question again from our favourite Michael Cook uh, through Facebook, who has asked this time: Which character do you think you get on with most in real life? Ooh. I'm going to put it out there and say Juna because you can't yeah. love her. Yeah, she's just adorable. Mm. Yeah, I think it would be Juna. I just want to give her a hug all the time. <laughs> Although, I don't know, I'd quite like Deacon as well, to be honest. Oh, he's yeah. such an idiot. Oh, Deacon's got so much I know he's energy. not main. He's only a little... He's only a, an episodic guy, but... At the fun. same time, you know that you could have hours of conversation with Deacon. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like, yeah, he would just keep going and that would be great. <laughs> yeah, he'd be very entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to definitely choose Deacon. He could he could come and do some paddle boarding and some bits and bobs and have a oh, chat. Well yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, if it wasn't Deacon, it would be Orin. Orin would be very easy to have quiet time with. Yeah, he'd just be making something and you could play music. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, you Chill. know, just like like just relaxing with each other like you could have interesting conversations definitely but yeah orin is much calmer i'm quite a calm person i think <laughs> quiet person is how i would say it, rather than uh high energy so we've actually I've, I've noticed in the chat that uh the the patrons have been asked who they would get on with uh so hannah who who would who would be yours guys he's jokes <laughs> that is a great <laughs> shout hannah that is a great yeah. shout. we would love to just dive into a round of strip card game come on <laughs> <laughs> oh i love this with the other message from karen saying orin because bees. Yeah. <laughs> bees so good ballad hannah clancy i don't know if you want to read yours out or i could read it out for you I can read it out. It just makes you sound a bit like a drug addict. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like Juno, because, you know, I've got loads of tea. I've got crochet stuff and we can have a little bit of frosting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like Juno wow. would be well up for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I knew it yeah. since the episode with the tea when she thought she was getting an orgy. She's like, that's not I got an orgy. And I was like, yeah, she's absolutely <laughs> love a bit of frosting on a, on a Friday yeah. night. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, some definitely some like social frosting rather than military. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Quality yeah, nothing night. too dangerous. <laughs> Pippa, did you have one? I was thinking like it depends what the situation would be as to who would be the best companion. Mm. Yeah, you know, like if it was like Friday night down the pub, it would have to be like Gaius and Deacon because I think mm. they'd be the ones who'd be up for kind of staying out the latest and partying the hardest. Yeah, yeah definitely. But then again, I think like I could be quite an introvert, and I think therefore I'd get on quite well with Orin because it would be okay to have that kind of like silence without it being awkward. But then. Juna's such a lovely kind of mother hen that you think that like whatever situation you you got in, she would kind of like sort you out and look after you. Yeah, I don't know. It's so tricky to decide. I think Gwen would be awesome down the pub as well, just because, you know, bust out the How costume. cool would it be to hang out with Gwen and Enkidu at the same time? Oh, my God. <laughs> that would be really fun. I mean, that would be fun. I don't have to sit in the middle, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A safe social distance, Pippa, is fine. Absolutely. I'll be a fly on the wall. Yeah. But... <laughs> That would be great. Yeah. I feel like I'd love to go to a pub with Gwendolyn and Enkidu just so that you could sit back and have a drink with someone else whilst they're off arguing in a corner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Karen's just put in the chat. So Hannah said, Gwen Kidu, make it happen. And then Karen's written, have some popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> love it. 
I'm, I'm surprised that it wasn't just an all-out, you know, Gaius for you though, Pippa, because we've heard your music and the stuff that you and Gaius could come up with would be legendary. Oh, that would be fun, make him a quality it? bard. Jam session <laughs> with Pippa and Gaius, yeah. I would be oh. that time. Oh, the cover of the theme music that you did was just... Uh, I haven't oh, had a chance to say oh this thank you guys. It was amazing. Mm. Yeah. Oh, thank you. My if anyone listening has not heard that, it's well credit to David for writing such awesome themes that then I can just manipulate and do crazy <laughs> things with. Just one more thing before, like, how many people sing along with the theme tune as they're listening to it? Because I don't plan to, but I do it every time. Yeah, uh, hands up all over the board. Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Mostly, and every time, every time it gets to that that big note, and we all know the big note, I just cringe because I'm like, oh, that's flat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Only to your ears, <laughs> Mr. Bar. That needs a re-record. Well, well there, there was some rapping that someone recorded to put onto the theme tune that the person who was putting it together didn't put on it and it would have covered it beautifully, David. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you want to give us a rendition of it now? That's no, okay. you know what? Save this for bonus content. <laughs> it is brilliant. There are definite outtakes. It got hardly <laughs> vetoed from the track. <laughs> that good it's worth the effort though (laughs) oh amazing guys that was absolutely beautiful we have massively overrun on time uh but i (laughs) i hope you've all enjoyed yourself as much as i have and i hope you'll join us again when we uh will have you know other players in different cast members you'll be able to ask them different questions and any of you other patreon uh supporters anybody who's considering joining us on patreon really consider doing this because we've had an absolute blast tonight it's been so good hanging out with everyone from patreon like join patreon just to come hang out on these like it's yeah. lovely. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Uh, easiest job I've ever had. It's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, Sam, for hosting it as well. Yeah, thank you, Sam. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for having me, guys, as well. Nice to come in. Thank you for doing I mean, you're going to be back, Sarah. Deacon so. again. I was going to yeah. say, I, I would say any time, but make sure it's soon. We need more Deacon. <laughs> but thank you. Uh, thank you so much to DM David Knight, uh, Sarah Gain, and Vicky Gaskin for answering all of our questions, and to all our Patreon members for supporting us we We really do appreciate it uh and if you haven't subscribed to that give it a little click look at the offers that are out there because they're they're worth it i myself am a patreon member but everyone thank you so much i hope you've enjoyed listening to us uh we've had a blast here and can't wait to speak to you soon uh i think there's only one thing left to say and i really want the patreon members to do this as well do you you know what we're about to say everyone is goodbye some blank faces it's gonna be okay okay everybody unmute yourselves let's do it I always have have, have the anxiety where I'm like, are we saying for now or just anon? Is it for now or is it just anon? Ben here, just popping in to say a big thank you to Vicky, David, and special guest Sarah Gain for joining us for No Small Questions. Huge thanks as well to our superfan Sam Oaks, and to all the superfans from Patreon who joined us live and asked questions. If you've been enjoying this episode and thinking to yourself, well, that sounds fun, how do I get to listen in live and ask my questions to the cast? Well, you're in luck. Our next No Small Questions is being recorded on Thursday the 18th of February. And once again, our Patreon supporters will be able to join us for the conversation as it happens. 
Answering your questions next time will be our monk and bard duo, Grace and Chris. And for February, we're also going to be running an offer on our Patreon, where all backers from Teacup and above will get access to all the Patreon perks for February, regardless of level. So that means for any level of support from £3 or above, you get access to patron polls, a chance to listen to episodes early, behind-the-scenes and bonus content, David's homebrewed creations to use in your own games, music and more. That's for the whole month of February. You can find out more about our teacup, teapot and tea caddy Patreon levels and sign up to help support our show at patreon.com forward slash no small roles. Uh, or you can search for No Small Roles on Patreon and find us that way. As ever, you can also search us out on social media. We're at No Small Roles on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find us on Facebook by searching for No Small Roles. Roles is spelt with a double L, as in the double L at the end of small, or tall, or tortoiseshell. Anyway, we'll be back next Sunday with episode 24. And on for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.